isn't a man of black and white rejecting the reality of human existence the reality that is based on emotions and grains because many philosophers predictions of many philosophers have failed because they have been reduced to binaries i mean marx failed because he reduced everything to class to economy reduced everything to two classes bourgeoisie and the proletariat a binary weber on the other hand introduced an idea of status and party and he accepted the ideas of emotions and ethnic identity that could break the idea of class solidarity so isn't ambedkar being a man of black and white isn't that the reason why he basically failed because that because the fact that there is a rape of a dalit woman every few hours and that the word dalit is still being used that means ambedkar failed whereas gandhi achieved this success 70 years ago okay that's a very interesting question but i uh, you know that there was a, i quoted ambedkar in between and i think we have to make a distinction between what i exactly mean as black and white and gray by black and white i do not mean the binary black and white you know so uh, <clears throat> of the kind that you've just mentioned and if you remember uh, ambedkar also said that when he is he was saying that plato even plato is wrong and he says that look the diversity as the human society progresses the diversity and the the sheer progression of human society has led us from four varnas to 4000 castes so ambedkar himself recognizes that you cannot stratify or pigeonhole humans into four categories so by when i say black and white i do not mean he is actually trying he is a reductionist i mean in the sense that you do not wipe away the sins of people just because they have done some good job you do not uh, start admiring hitler just because he built autobahns or tipu sultan just because he gave some money to a mutt so that it could be rebuilt and wipe away all the tragedies that he did or so many others that i mentioned so but uh, asking us to uh, not find the good inside hitler or uh, maybe any other evil dictator but the reality is that we do he is asking us that is what i said no the fact is because gandhi embraced the idea that we do find white and black and black and white and that he didn't create a strict boundary between black right and black. i've understood your question uh, thank you for answering that uh, asking that and i have only one uh, sentence to answer that you are absolutely right and because you are right uh this world has only 0.1% atheists and 99.9% religious people but that doesn't mean that the atheists are wrong what that means is that atheists have accepted that the world is religious right but that still cannot that doesn't deny the atheists from following rational or logic as they see fit or as another would have said they get the heroes we deserve yes very true I mean, if you saw the uh, the passage that I uh, quoted Gandhi in, where he's talking of castes coming to politics, what do we see now? We see exactly the reflection of what Mahatma Gandhi had written on castes, exactly, and total opposite of what Ambedkar had uh, talked about. So yes, we we deserve Gandhi. Uh, when I was taking JEE coaching, we used to joke that. Uh, you can get into IIT if you have done all the questions of ICSE or most concept of physics, have read your NCERT chemistry book properly, and you are you are great in calculus. 
And if you aren't able to do this, then also you can reach into IT. Just uh, if you are lucky enough to be blessed by Dr. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I do understand uh, what you mean uh, and that is why, um, so there are two things here. I talked in the middle about catharsis, that we have to face the wave and the last person I, I would expect to take credit when it, he did not deserve it is Ambedkar, we know, right? throughout his life. Um, why did Ambedkar talk of reservations? First of all, I mean there are conflicting notions of that he wanted it for 10 years or 30 years, but he wanted it for a limited period of time. If you were to see um, the kind of, as we talked about, the discrimination that was prevalent um, and even before the constitution was written, so of course, you know, you have the Untouchability Act and things of that sort they came in later in the 50s. You can see that there was this angst in this, in this man to show to Indians that, look, we need, we need to stand up and face the wave. And just how unsuccessful we have been in doing that is so evident even today, right? Uh, so I, I am for reservations. In fact, uh, I haven't mentioned this on Twitter because obviously for the next one month I would be, uh, you know, trolled. But I am not only for reservations, I am for reservations in the private sector as well. Okay, so you can go back and troll me. But let me give you the reason. What? Sorry? On the basis of yes. Right. Now, let me give you the reason. Why do we have reservations? What is the principle of giving reservation? It is that as a nation, it is not that, uh, you know, the few political class are charitable. Of course, now the reason for giving reservations is totally non-philosophical. It is more to do with, you know, grabbing vote bank. But I'm talking of a philosophical issue. Why should a nation give reservations? It is because we have accepted that it is the fastest way of emancipation. It is not a permanent way as... Dr. Ambedkar also mentioned it is not a permanent way, but if we believe collectively that yes, it is a fastest way of emancipation of 20% uh, of our population that for 2000 years has been discriminated against, if we believe that then we give reservations. Now, why do I say that if we believe that founding principle philosophically, right? then why should we have reservations only in the government sector? 65% of the manufacturing GDP comes from the private sector. If we want to emancipate this 20% of the population, give them the arms, not just to fish, but to teach them how to fish, so that, you know, there, and you won't believe me, I know from my own family, uh, from my both my parents' side, that you need only one person in your family to study and come up and the whole family is, you know, the tree is certain. I know that for a fact. So the whole point is, if we believe that reservations philosophically are the fastest way of emancipation, that is, it is doing the nation good, why not try reservations in the private sector? That is my belief. 
I beg your pardon? Sir, practically it hasn't done anything good. It has just been married. No, I don't believe so at all. This requires another lecture. This, this requires uh, another lecture. And another lecture. People have exploited reservation. I mean, it's not that there are problems in it. But you cannot say it, does, it hasn't done anything. That would be wrong. Okay, this is veering into, uh, but for an SCST, you have cut off 30 rupees. You see the gap. So, if he is not good enough to score 125, so he doesn't deserve to be. So, you are against reservations? I am against reservations. I am for economic and education. One who is poor or the one who is marginalized, they should get reservation, not there is certainly a case there is certainly a case of economic reservations based on economic condition no doubt about it but can you refute the fact that the scheduled caste in this country for the last 2000 years irrespective of their economic strata have been discriminated against and that's the worst kind of discrimination did you uh, when i mentioned about uh, uh, you know the 9 year old ambedkar wearing uh, you know, uh, uh, a Western suit. Things have changed. Things have changed. No, I. Uh, sir, are you saying that uh, I have inherited the responsibility of the crimes that were committed against the AST? No, no, okay. Now, this is a very interesting question. So, you're basically saying that no. the fathers committed the mistake. Look. I have inherited responsibility. Okay, uh, if you add to that, because I want to, uh, that's an important question. But that's an important question. I want to answer that. Right. So, um, tell me in your heart of hearts, as a human being who is generally kind to people, who is sympathetic, who has sympathy, empathy, these are the traits that have allowed human evolution to progress, by the way, instead of as opposed to social Darwinism. Would you want the Britishers to apologize for the crimes they committed against India? Just say yes or no. You wouldn't? Okay. I think we should move to the next question. I don't know of anyone apart from one person here now <laughs> who would say no. And I respect your view because what you're trying to say is that why should I be guilty of the crimes that my forefathers committed? Now, I. Right, what I'm sorry? They might not have committed. No, they did. They did. My grandmother may not have done Now, look, so in fact, I have written about this. And uh, if I can just add one sentence on this uh, the human progress that you saw in uh, the 17th century and the 18th century, the Industrial Revolution, okay, you probably did not have James Watt uh, being a racist, okay, or um, Christopher Wren uh, whipping an Indian, right, or killing an Indian, but their progress was not on shoulders of giants so that they could see further. Their progress was on enslaving the millions and millions of people all around the world, taking their wealth to the country so that they could be in their labs and have the requisite amount of time and effort and money to make their empire prosper. How do pro empires prosper? Not because Newton was not a racist, did not commit anything. He did not even come to India, for all I know. 
right? But he was given the wealth, he was given, and I'm just taking one example, need not be Newton. The, the, the scientific thrust that goes into making an empire, an all-powerful empire, and we know that, right? We know that from not only the empires, let's talk of America of the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. It is ultimately science and the, the science in war specifically that powers empires, allows them to subjugate other nations. So when you, when, when you subjugate millions of people, when they are forced to worry about their next meal rather than worry about uh, what is the wavelength of light or what is the Snell's law or what is this? It's not that they have committed atrocities, but it is that your, the white grand, great great grandfathers were not immune to this. They were silent. They were silent beneficiaries. And that is the reason why I don't want a Britisher to say, oh my God, uh, I don't want him to feel guilty about what he did. But I want him to understand this catharsis has to come because that catharsis is what will allow that Britisher to never repeat the mistakes of his forefathers. And that has not happened. You know why? Because in 2000, they commissioned a poll as to who was the greatest Briton of all time. And you know who won? Yes. And you know his crimes? So this is, this is what happens when you talk selectively about people, when you don't expose the crimes of your great, great, great grand. I'm not saying that Theresa May has to apologize for what Churchill did, but I'm saying this has to be imbibed in them. Why is it a suffering? It is a catharsis. It is proud to be ashamed. Just one point for over 1,000 years, India has been under various attacks by Kilji onwards, around 600 years. Kilji, Tughlaq, Babur, Akbar, all these people. Abhi bhi ho ra Media, media attack. the Brahmins, the temples of the Brahmins, they destroyed specifically, they went to even remote places and destroyed the temples yes. of the Brahmins. For around 600 years this happened. So hasn't that been sort of the reverse uh, preservation sort of thing, wherein the Dalits could have converted, become rulers, they could have, for around 600 years, they could have been uh, ruling. Why did not the Dalits do that? There was an opportunity to come up to be the rulers. For around 600 years, we had that preservation, follow up with the British. During this time, a person could become Christian and acquire land. I mean, uh, that's an interesting question and I think one would have to go into the detail um, of what exactly the social strata of the four Varnas was. My opinion is that um, uh, even though, uh, you know, the temples were destroyed psychologically and financially, the two highest stratas remained as Brahmins and Kshatriyas. So, I don't know what you mean by opportunity because the op uh, I'm not sure. So, so I think he why I think yeah, let's, let's move back to the actual topic of saving <laughs> Ambedkar and uh, mostly like um, um, so. But I would after this, you know, because there was a 
pretty incendiary tweet uh, tweeted yesterday by Srijan Foundation saying that would the lecture change the audience's opinion or would the audience change Anand's opinion? So uh, after this, after this question, oh, I knew it has to be him. So I, I would dearly like a show of hands after this question as to how many of you believe the real father of the nation is Ambedkar, but after your question. Thank you. Yeah. So my question is pretty much on the topic. Um, I read a comment from Vyad Ambedkar himself in a source which really you would not appreciate. Uh, India after Gandhi by Duba. But it's a very relevant uh, quote because it talks about how Ambedkar was against any kind of hero worship. And that's a true quote. Yes. So uh, that's what we have found as well. Whenever we have looked at our heroes too closely, we have called, you know, find faults. And in the light of like the first question, and, I mean, uh, we do learn from the people who are not so great as well. Uh, and also, if you remember, you know, when I, I quoted a passage of passage of Ambedkar on journalism, I don't know whether you got it, he's actually hinting at Gandhi. When he's talking of journalism today is nothing else but drum boys of beating a, you know, of anointing a hero. He's actually talking of Gandhi. Right. That's so, a couple of facts that I kind of uh, gathered and um, apology if any of those are inaccurate because uh, mm. I'm not in that profession, so neither corrected here and there. So, first of all, uh, like, uh, Gandhi supported uh, uh, Ambedkar for the thing that is very, you know, widely known, that is uh, the architect of uh, you know, our constitution. So actually, it was Gandhi's insistence that he was actually chosen by uh, Nehru's cabinet for law minister. So, I mean, that shows that, you know, that enmity enmity that we just talked about. Was no, not that's very not much. entirely so let true. Me just oh, sorry, and, please, uh, please. There are a couple of other things. Um, one thing is, um, Amitra demanded separate elect electorate for Dalits which is on the same line what Jinnah denied, I mean Jinnah demanded. It was only Gandhi's success against Ambedkar which would have probably like saved us, I mean that's my reading that saved us from not having another country. Um, so Dindra Kulkarni in a recent article. Here we go again. <laughs> that, next, uh, next you're going to quote Michelangelo. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so I mean like, let me know if this is wrong but he quotes that um, Ambedkar was also of the opinion that uh, uh, scheduled tribe were not ready for uh, the kind of you know reservation that we talked for steady cast uh, when the whole thing was being discussed at that time. Okay. So if it is inaccurate, yeah, we can like just sit away. I mean, knowing but, knowing that it is from Sudan, I would have to really go back and investigate that further. Uh, but coming then, back to like, okay, how many questions? Of, <laughs> just two more things is there. So okay. one, uh, socialist. Because I have forgotten, I am forgetting the first question because and that was important so question. First one was like uh, Gandhi backing up uh, for. Uh, yeah, yeah, the the cabinet. Yeah. For, okay. Uh, Right. And, uh, Can I answer that? Just two more things. Okay. <laughs> so oh, one more incentive, one more thing that you talked about is uh, 295A. Yes. And uh, freedom of speech. Yes. So Nehru uh, Ambedkar was very much in the cabinet. Uh, he was part of the you know team that was writing constitution. I would love to know what he did about uh, getting rid of these. He was actually part of the cabinet which actually passed the First Amendment, curtailing uh, the first. I mean, curtailing the freedom of rights. Yes. Okay. So the first question was about uh, Nehru being asked by Gandhi, or Gandhi asking, uh, sorry, Gandhi asking Nehru to uh, incorporate, uh, include Ambedkar in drafting the constitution. Now you remember that Ambedkar um, was a double degree in economics, uh, okay, double PhD, and uh, remarkable. Uh, acumen as far as law was concerned. So, 
uh, and if you look at Ambedkar's own personal readings and remarks, you would understand how disappointed he was at being given the law ministry. He wanted economic ministry because he and the, I'm quoting Ambedkar's words. So he was acutely disappointed. He even expressed his displeasure in, uh, you know, more than once to Mr. Nehru that he wanted the finance, the economic ministry because he felt that using that he would be able to, his sole aim was to attain fastest emancipation of the depressed classes. Okay. So my hunch is that, uh, I mean, the truth is that he wanted, he preferred uh, Ministry of Finance, but he was given law. And of course, I mean, he was a remarkable, uh, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, luminaries that we have seen in the field of law. So even if they had not included Ambedkar in the team that was drafting the constitution, they, I mean, that team would itself have had to go back to, I mean, uh, you know, Abhinav can answer that uh, so much better than I can, he's in the audience, time and time again, uh, uh, you know, to seek Ambedkar's advice. But it is, am I correct? He actually wanted uh, Ministry of Finance. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And what was the second? Uh, that I would have to fact check Mr. Sudhinder Kulkarni's this thing. So I will pass on that. The to, yeah, okay. So, okay. Now, Ambedkar actually wrote a pre-preamble. Not many people know this. He charted it out. And so, you know, uh, lest you believe that I am a bhakt of Ambedkar, uh, you know, nothing of that sort. I just feel he is an incredibly gifted guy, uh, you know, who uh, one should follow. All is this thing. But I also disagree with him. And I was talking to a gentleman. I told him I have two and a half disagreements with Ambedkar. And the half of that is that in that pre-preamble, he said that all citizens of India would have complete freedom of expression unless it is a hindrance to public convenience. Okay, um, So that I feel is wrong. But the amendment is a different matter altogether because Nehru brought in four different uh, clauses or you can call them as 192A. So while initially when the constitution was drawn, it was exactly how Ambedkar had uh, envisaged and I disagree with that part of, you know, that he added unless, according to me that was wrong, but the first amendment did much more damage than what Ambedkar had envisaged. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Pretty exhausting. I know I am. <laughs> but okay. I kept exactly two and a half hours. <laughs> uh, so the question is, um, Thomas Saul, uh, one of the tallest black American thinkers. Yes. He was once asked, the, uh, what should the government do uh, to decrease discrimination in the society? Yeah. And he answered that uh, nothing. He said that governments and monopolies Sorry. discriminate. Because they have the greatest incentive or the least disincentive to discriminate. On the other hand, market and commercial organizations, they have the greatest dis disincentive to discriminate. If there is an organization who starts discrimination on the basis of race or anything, in their recruitment, they will lose talent. If they, they start discriminating in clients, they lose money. And 
it is not a guarantee against discrimination but it is the fastest way to decrease discrimination so what is your take on that yeah i i don't think that can work practically because uh, if there is a hint of uh, 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 you know uh, corruption we have an amazing nose of sniffing it so uh, and let me also say that the kind that you are saying i mean i'm i love that gentleman of course and i am a proponent of the smallest state as possible government has no business doing business should not be involved in this and should be a capitalist free market state except that uh, some of the demands that um, some of the laws and the freedoms that uh, uh, dr king obtained from the government uh would not have been possible if had the government not intervened is as simple as that i mean america is a great case you know you have those uh, those laws that would have carried on for so long even now you see so much racism so just imagine had johnson you know not exceeded to or before him kennedy tried to uh you know that changed i mean the civil liberties that were obtained by dr king actually changed america in a major way so it's wrong to say that government should not play any role government should have a lot of role otherwise why do we need a government um, I, i don't know if, if you leave it to and the other point that you raise that you know if you leave it to the market forces uh i'm i'm not so sure about that i mean that would i don't know if someone's done a study on that uh but as far as dis- reducing discrimination is concerned i would say that if you do not uh, i mean there is a difference between uh capitalism and crony capitalism right i support capitalism i abhor crony capitalism and people have shown that the more lax your regulations are for capitalism the more you go venture into the territories of crony capitalism so what you would find is that uh, you know any company would uh, totally go towards regressive means or exploitation or whatever you may call it uh, you know unless there are rules and regulations i feel that's important but uh, actually if you okay we we can talk outside we'll but oh, before you leave a show of hands please so how many of you do you believe uh, you believe that ambedkar uh, should be the real father of our nation is that what 40% you'd say okay and how many of you believed that ambedkar should be the real father of nation before my talk success <laughs> good the other question how many of you have thrown away the idea that gandhi is the real father right <laughs> he should rather be the stepfather of <laughs> thank you thank you very much it's very kind audience and i really appreciate that